Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Candor, the Candor Beach podcast. Today we are going to talk about the fall of Western civilization. So in my opinion, things like an economic decline or political instability, social unrest, um, potentially cultural or religious factors, like if you were throwing back to Alexandria, um, environmental factors, if you were looking at Pompeii, disease and epidemics. These are factors that can derail a, a civilization and can cause a collapse. Silish, in your opinion, how what causes a civilization's collapse? What are we seeing today? In my opinion, the major civilization collapse is population decline, like massive population decline. And you know, this, you know it happened previously, disease. You know, disease also caused a lot of, uh, you know, population decline during the plague um, that and famine, famine and wars. So but majorly at this present era, I think it's going to be majorly population decline. All right. So where do we see this population decline? So we saw a population decline back in Japan. That was one instance. Mm -hmm. We are seeing uh, issues in China where you have a predominantly aging population, the one-child policy hurt China from a, from the perspective that they don't have a lot of young people anymore for the number of industries that they have, and that's required a bunch of cross-training. Uh, you see a decline in fertility overall. So what, in your opinion, are the is the major impact of population decline in the West? Because the examples so, I cited were primarily these. So population decline is going to cause societal uh, collapse. And first, it's going to be economical collapse and societal collapse. So it's it's going to be, uh, I mean, I don't uh, I don't mean to sound doomsday, but that's uh, that's the trajectory. Like a lot of people talked about this. There was Jordan Peterson who actually uh, uh, talked about it. Uh, Elon Musk also talked about it. There was, um, you know, it is Yeah, he true, just has you know, nine so, children. Yeah, I mean, it is true. We will not see nine billion uh, human population. It's not, it's, we are at the, the top of uh, the curve. It's going to be downward uh, post this, because if you look at it, uh, the most consuming countries, you know, like the US, Europe, Japan, and China, they consume 70% of the world's uh, consumption. Um, are in in a rapid population decline. I see. Um, I also uh, did hear this on a podcast that we are at that that the fertility rate uh, amongst people are dropping. Like uh, sperm motility was something that people were talk have been talking about for a while, and how sperm motility is dropping, the sperm count is dropping, fertility overall in the human population is falling by at least one percent uh, every mm. year, and this has been happening for the last fifty years or so. So that's a major factor that is going to cause a suppression in the increment of our population, but then you still have eight billion people dead. Um, you know, if you were throwing back to Japan, there there is this whole push by the government for young people to go out and get married and have sex, because it's hard to imagine from our perspective that you'd have 
like the government would provide you with incentives to go about creating a family for yourself. But that's something that Japan's been facing because if you look at the population pyramid there, the aging populations, the group that uh, the aging population occupies is much, much wider than what's coming in to replace the current population that's taking the economic strain, so to say. The same thing we've seen in China or are seeing in China. Um, you know, this discussion just reminds me of the last decade, like the 90s in Japan, where yeah. uh, the 90s in Japan, you, you're seeing aspects of that in today's society as well. You saw an economic slowdown, you saw population coming down, you saw a bunch of things that are on today like corporate restructuring, aging po population, the monetary policy uh, didn't really work. Like the interest rates of Japan were near zero levels. That's something that we are not necessarily seeing. We're seeing countries getting out of it. But honestly, it's if China's entered deflation now, that was something that you had brought up on the last uh, podcast. Aren't there similarities? Yeah, so... China is, and it's very similar to the uh, Japan's last decade. You know, it's stagnation is coming in China. You know, a lot of, uh, you know, like the economic output is, uh, you know, slowing down. So if you look at it, yeah, um, like you brought it up, um, sperm count is dropping. Um, you know, uh, men we, um, at the present age don't even have the same amount of sperm count our previous ancestors had not even half of that, because a lot of it will, if you look at it, it's chemicals, um, a lot of soya bean consumption. Soya bean consumption um, has a lot of- uh, it's, you know, it's, not, it's not a fact, is it? It, it is, it is, it is a fact. Soya bean has um, it's the same amount of, one cup of soya bean has the same amount of um, you know, estrogen as 20,000 cups of uh, chickpeas. And it, it actually fattens you up at the same time. Uh, it also causes a lot of increase in estrogen in human males. What I, what I, when I said it's not a fact, was what I was getting at is it's, it's not suppressing testosterone. Yeah, but if you're increasing estrogen, you know. There is a uh, hormonal imbalance that is coming yeah. in, possibly. So there are reasons for loss of um, you know sperm count and sperm mobility a lot of men face that issues if you look at it um a lot of men have these days you know um have um what do you call that um 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 what do you call that man uh, which you take viagra erectile dysfunction erectile dysfunction so there is you know Sounds like I, a harry uh, potter spell spectral picture <laughs> Yeah, it's, sorry, there sorry. is high prevalence of it right in the present day than in the past. So these are all the causes also, of, you know, GMO based products, you know, uh, chemical based foods, you know, uh, processed foods. Affecting fertility. Yes. Yeah. Now, what can we do to combat this? Uh, mostly go organic. Uh, food, um, organic, grow, uh, like homesteading, you know, build the, like, um, I don't mean to sound anti-government, but basically 
uh, grow your own food, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, fertilize what if people didn't have What if people didn't have access to that kind of real estate? So, like, think about a place like Hong Kong. Now, project London. Lon- the UK is a small island. You are not going to necessarily, or the majority of the population isn't going to be at liberty to have a lot of space. They are not going to be able to grow their own vegetables or fruits. Sure. Um, you can do indoor farming. You can do, uh, you know, like um, basic, you can you can grow in your own house. There are uh, ways you can actually, there are kits you can buy, which you can um uh, ship at home and you can grow your own food inside your house with lighting and you know, 24 hour lighting with it so you don't need to have excessive real estate for that but that right, so this pushes so that, us to a conversation around energy yeah. as well but we'll come back to that so okay but so what can a country do what can and a country? specifically yeah and i'm specifically angling towards something that you've been talking about for the last week the so, refugee crisis. Refugees. So bring in uh, outside population. There are countries which actually pay you to uh, come and move down to that country, you know, and Canada. have uh, offspring. So Canada for uh, Indians. Canada, can, yeah, Canada is like little Punjab anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it was uh, it was Switzerland, I believe, uh, where it actually pays you. Nordic nations uh, where it actually pays you to move down with uh, a family and have kids. So it basically it, it incentivizes you to have kids in their country. Right. I mean, if you look back at it, so if there is a lot of refugees, so all these European countries are bringing in you know, uh, immigration, immigrant population, uh, cheap labor, because they don't have enough labor to work on, you know, like even uh, their farms or anything, you know, like basic labor, which does all the hard lifting. So that's another issue, which is, you know, when you bring in refugees, there are other issues which come with the refugees. Well, yes, I, I, I'm not... Look, I'm not a 100% uh, sold on the fact that refugees are a bad thing. Like as an example with West Bengal, you've had people from Bangladesh come in or basically flit in and uh, out of the border. That's mm. poor border patrolling. That's uh, that is a danger. But at the same time, there has been there has been a certain degree of positivity with respect to that. You gained like West Bengal gained access to cheap labor. And the Bangladeshis that required those sort of like jobs that West Bengal provided them were happily taking them up. It was good for them. They they gained uh, they gained employment that way. Similarly, yeah. refugees aren't necessarily bad. Like you've got these. Uh, this isn't a fact, but like look at uh, those movies where you have these Russian rocket scientists moving from Soviet Russia to. Um, to America and then like you've got all of these TV shows where this janitor solving uh, pro- complex mathematical problems like if you had to draw that into um, the refugee crisis you are going to have very highly skilled labor or potential for highly skilled labor that you can integrate into your society you aren't necessarily going to have people in a small boat carrying shivs 
jumping in and ready to terrorize your country. Now, I can't speak to whether refugees are harmful to society. I'm just struggling to think about how they might uh, how they might harm you. They are going to harm. I mean, the, everything has an impact. I'm not saying they won't have an impact on your society. There was this whole conversation about foreigners coming in and taking taking their the locals jobs, whether the locals were going to go, go in for those jobs or not. But there, there is going to be an impact. But I don't necessarily think it's going to drop or the majority of that impact is going to be something like terrorism. I think they're going to integrate into society. I think they're going to they're just trying to live their lives. I think they are a way in which you can solve your population crisis and it shouldn't be spurned. So I think the refugees are, you. I, I partially agree with you, but what I can say is like, yeah, if you bring in refugees, they should be integrated into the society. They should be, uh, you know, they should be taught uh, whatever the country they're moving into, what are their core values, sure. what are they expect. You know, and and then eventually, you know, they should be shown a, a pathway to employment, you know, and not just, you know, just come in and whatever you can do. Whatever of course. You want. Yeah, of course. So that's Agreed. not that that's how it should be done. Europe, one of the major issues with happened with Europe is they were not able to integrate them very well into the society. That's where, you know, they, they were not being treated the same as just the, the regular citizens you have. Um, you know, we'll, the, we'll the get into those. I, I'm sorry I'm cutting you across, but, but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would like for us to move on to the next point simply because mm -hmm. uh, this is this is like an issue in itself. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about uh, the economic decline that we are seeing. So as an example, throwing back to the last decade again, like one of the reasons that uh, we saw a stagnation at the, during that decade was because of an of acid bubble bursts. That was another reason that uh, led to Asia's 1990 economic collapse. What, in your opinion, are potential bubbles that we are experiencing today? Um, the real estate bubble, which is happening, you know, in China, uh, the Evergrande collapse. So mm -hmm. there, there are multiple bubbles which are going to, you know, um, the burst. You know, there is the real estate bubble which is happening, the, the debt crisis, the debt bubble. So if you look back, you know, all these countries are going into this new era, uh, the new era, and they're going down with declining population. And then there is, on top of it, the debt bubble which is going to uh, come along with them. So these What do you mean by debt bubble? So the debt is constantly constantly increasing it's not coming down so each and every kind you know that they're always adding onto the debt but then you they don't have enough population to pay off this debt there's not enough young population so the older generation let's just say the there's not enough population. growth let's just say yeah. there's not enough so, growth because there are multiple factors it's not just population there exactly so the day of reckoning is going to come they're going to they might have to default on their debt so because they cannot pay this debt that's a debt bubble itself and what causes debt what caused this debt what causes this debt is consumption you know excessive consumption so um no but what i meant specifically was uh, what i was thinking back to was during uh, the stimulus checks during the lockdown the mm, stimulus checks sure. the high infrastructure spending and all of that came primarily from uh, printing money 
because yeah. the government can get money from like using two tools either they print money or they tax you it's yeah. incredibly unpopular to tax people which is why governments try to make sure that the increment is controlled it's not like from 10% to 30% or 30% to 50%. Uh, but at the same time, like if they're unable to do that, like during the lockdown when people were suffering, when people weren't able to generate an income for themselves, the government decided they'd go through the printing money route. So to print money, they created debt. They basically created bonds that the that the federal the Federal Reserve took care of. And floated that out of the uh, out into the market, yeah, and yeah. printed money, and printed money. Yeah. yeah, essentially, essentially out of thin air because the U.S. economy has proven over the last several years, and this is a fact that uh, the rating agencies, S and P, Moody's, has also uh, ratified by their uh, downgrades, their rating downgrades, that the US economy isn't what it used to be. It's not growing at the rate at which it used to. And there is a chance that it's, it's not triple A anymore. I don't even think it's double A, but that's not for me to decide. Yeah. They aren't able to service their debt. That was what I was hoping to get into. Sorry, please go ahead. No, no, you, you, you brought up all the points, right? So if you look at <laughs> It's it's true. So yeah, so they are printing debt. You know, like printing money is massively. I mean, if you look at it, thirty percent of American uh, debt has been uh, you know uh, brought up on in the last few years. That is insane. You know, so this just the amount of money they printed during COVID and post COVID is I think about like it's about seven seven point five trillion dollars which is unfathomable you know like it, they just did it out of thin air there's nothing to peg on to so yeah the, that is a debt bubble is is in is on the horizon and then the real estate bubble if the you know if the debt bubble is going to you know mm -hmm. uh, burst eventually the real estate pricing is all, all going to you know go down so that is another major uh bubble which is going to burst uh, it's it's already just happening to in China. That, just to add to the real estate bit, China you have thoroughly covered in two podcasts. Need I remind mm. you? Um, but there there was this instance. I don't know if I mentioned this in the, on the last podcast, but mortgage rates are incredibly high in the UK. Um, I believe the UK has seen a ten percent drop in in approvals of mortgages from the last from the previous month and mm -hmm. it was so it was around 52,400 ish uh, the previous month it was expected to fall to 51,000 but fell to 49,000 instead something of th that sort and that's because the rate of interest for the the mortgage rate is really high I believe it's 4.66 percent something that uh, was stated to be at 2008 levels or something of that sort I shouldn't keep saying something of that sort. I know this for a fact. This was in a, an NFT an uh, article. We will link that in our description. But yeah. it, it was quite high, like, as high as 2008 levels. And that was when we saw the housing bubble burst that like, was one of the factors that led to the collapse back then. Sure. So I have another uh, tangential question to ask you. So. Please. Kind of controversial. So, do you think 
educa uh, increase in education of women causes the fertility drop? I can with 100% confidence say the way you've stated that question, no. <laughs> education, education, like educating women does not affect fertility in any way. Educating women might see a drop in number of children. Fertility, we are doing that with chemicals, with uh, our lifestyles, by putting the body through the kind of stress that we are, like lack of sleep, uh, alcohol, drugs, whatever. Like, you didn't I modify how... my question. <laughs> I, I, I didn't modify your question. I took it. I, I took it exactly as you stated it. But to the spirit of your question, uh, does educating women reduce population or adversely affect population? I would say to an extent it does decrease. Uh, it, like this is factual. This does affect the number of children that a household has. Like you're not, no longer going to see a household with five or six children. And I'm not saying that households with five or six children have like the women there are poorly uneducated, I mean, poorly educated. There is a, a general statistic that states that when you educate the women, you are controlling the population to an extent. And this could be for a number of factors. When you are educating women, you are seeing like, and, and women need to use these skills somewhere. So they participate in the economy as opposed to when you don't have any skills that generate growth. So when you're participating in the economy, you have less time for child rearing. Yeah. So I, I would say that that is a potential connection. It's not a bad thing. It's a very good thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just, you know, uh, a question. No, I'm just putting ask. it out there to say, like, it's a cover your ass sort of a statement. <laughs> I believe in that, but I had to state it as well. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Was that it, it, the answer you were looking for? Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, it's bound to happen once, you know, once a country starts to, um, you know, climb its ranks up or go up in the economic scale, women get educated. And over, over, over that over period of time, educated women have lesser kids. It is factual. It's, a, it's a, you know, I'll actually attest the, the graph with regards to that. <laughs> But, right, uh, but yeah. we are talking about that in connection with the popu uh, population collapse, population. is it? Yeah, yeah. So here's a funny thing. Uh, Korea apparently, so we're talking about number of children on average, yeah? So mm. you are likely going to want about 2.1 children to be able to replace your population, your existing population. Korea is at 0 0.78. Japan is at one, one-ish. Yeah. So is, their population is is being suppressed. And I, I'm not going to say that this is all down to educating women. There are a bunch of factors, including pornography, as an example. Sure. I, I don't know about the issue with uh, Korea, South Korea. I was talking about South Korea specifically. As much as Japan, because uh, there, there have been conversations about how uh, people are conducting marriages as events, like a one-day marriage or a two-day marriage, just so that uh, people can experience what it's like to have a husband and a wife. Uh, similarly, 
the pornography affects your mind and then you become less likely to want to have uh, any sort of re- relationship with an actual human woman. The rise of OnlyFans, basically, something that I'm alluding to. Uh, that's that's just, it, it hurts your population. So it is important to educate women because at that point in time, they're able to positively contribute to society. They're able to positively contribute to the economy. And you have fantastic leaders that have come out of it as well. We're never going to forget Indra Nui or uh, uh, the New Zealand, I forget the name, and this is my bad, <laughs> the 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 Prime Minister of New Zealand, uh, Angela Merkel as well, the German Chancellor. They've been yeah, fantastic yeah. leaders. They led us through uh, the pandemic better than a lot of the male leaders did. So they've definitely stamped their authority, but at the same time, uh, there are a whole host of factors that are affecting population overall. Yeah, you definitely covered yourself. So yeah, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. Yeah, so I mean, if you look back at it, the root cause of refugee crisis or, you know, is is population decline, you know? So that's what I would root back to. And, you know, like the, how... It's, so we're done with population. I feel like we've spoken quite a bit about population, acid bubble, that's where, that's where we are at. You talked about the real estate yeah. collapse. Yeah, so you said I debt mean, bubble. Doesn't that put everything in a bubble then? Because debt is basically borrowing, right? And I would say the cost of borrowing has increased because because rates have increased. Now, since the cost of borrowing has increased, it's harder for people to, one, pay back what they have borrowed and which creates a very sensitive bubble because like you said if there is accumulated debt and it's become more expensive for me to borrow and that's that's what's seen uh the collapse of a few banks like silicon valley bank collapsed because their debt was primarily in what uh in treasury bonds with a rate that was not on par with market rate so when they sold it was it was basically a fire sale and then that led to a run a run on the bank etc I mean, another major thing is de-dollarization, you know? So if you look back, you know, uh, recently we had this, in uh, the um, you know, the BRICS meeting. So if the launch of the new currency, which is going to challenge the dollar, it's going to be another major... There are major talks of a new currency, right? There's, yeah, it isn't a fact. It. You know, it happened previously, too. You know, if you look back, Africa tried to establish currency previously, a single currency with all the countries together. Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Yeah, Bitcoin. Bitcoin. (laughs) I mean, Bitcoin, I don't think it's going to challenge the dollar itself, but. No, but what are your thoughts on cryptocurrency? Because we see de dollarization, just like we've seen a movement away from uh, what? uh, The British pound back in the day or the the Krona uh, or what was the Dutch currency called? I forget. Um, I'm not even sure. Yeah, just to move along the conversation, like the Dutch currency, like when yeah. uh, the Netherlands dominated a certain uh, sector of society. We are seeing a move away from these uh, these currencies. Why not cryptocurrency? Um, cryptocurrency, there is always, the, the governments are always, uh, you know, they don't like cryptocurrency because once you go start using cryptocurrency except 
uh, El Salvador, the other country, you know, a lot of countries don't actually like it because it's it's going to challenge their own currency, you know. So if you look in India itself, you know, the our financial minute uh, financial minister, you know, had a lot to say about the cryptocurrency itself. MLS so she, yeah. So there is a lot of issues uh, when it comes to the government and cryptocurrency. So you know, it's not going to become mainstream. You know, they want to make uh, cryptocurrency an asset more than a command, you know, like more than a currency. So there are a lot of countries which is uh, which are pushing cryptocurrency to be an asset more than a currency, including uh, America. So if you look at, you know, like I would say more than the cryptocurrency, uh, de-dollarization is going to become um, um, a weaponized tool. So because a lot of people... A lot of countries are sick of uh, the the American and European hegemony over their currencies and the weaponization of it. Right. So basically, metaverse and and this is a this is a slight tangential. So the metaverse and currencies that govern these metaverse lands, like decentralized meta or um sandboxes and they're not going to go anywhere roblox um nothing as, big, asset. as an asset probably eventually um, ethereum as well maybe down the lane but not as uh, in the short term long term yeah maybe <laughs> why did you buy something on uh <laughs> No, not recently. It's just that no, we we still hold uh, positions on those, right? Which is why I brought yeah. them up. Otherwise, yeah. There was somebody. Uh, I was reading. Uh, I think it was a meme. I guess somebody bought two hundred thousand dollars worth of land on Metaverse. <laughs> they and they are asset owners. Not a meme. So <laughs> companies have been doing that. They've been buying real estate on the uh, online, and we won't go into that. Not pertinent to this conversation, but. I guess it's more of a hedge, right? Like in case things yeah. blow up, you might as well be in it than out of it. I think the metaverse as a concept is going to evolve and is going to there is going to be a use case that we can talk about at some point in time. But uh, yeah, it's not going to affect. It's not going to cause civilization collapse for sure. Uh, sure. But speaking of uh, the metaverse, I was thinking about meta social media companies. There was one other thing that you talked about. Uh, social media in the East versus social media in the West. Just for the sake of completion, if you could bring that point up again. TikTok's algorithm. Yeah, TikTok's algorithm. You know, it's it targets um, kids separately. You know, in the Western countries, it is totally different. Like, it, uh, it, 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 pro it gives up all these uh, dance videos and all the stupid stuff. But once you go back in China, the algorithm actually uh, gives you, you know, DIY videos, mathematics, you know, how to do science projects. I'd like so, for you to rephrase, or I'm going to rephrase on your behalf, don't mind. Uh, he didn't mean stupid stuff. He meant uh, forms of entertainment that aren't necessarily productive to the economy. Sure. <laughs> I agree. No, honestly, uh, I, I don't believe that dances are going to take you to the, uh, are, are going to improve your economy. 
there are people who are vastly influenced by getting a quick buck, right? Like it's quick gratification. You see these influencers leading the good life on social media and talking about how, or like a dance video where someone's essentially just working and then they get uh, a few million likes. And then people are like, oh, so now I want to be a vlogger or I want to be an influencer or I want to be, a... I'm not going to diss musicians because like a piano right there and a guitar next to it. Um, you can artist yourself. Yeah. So I, it, it is something that is uh, impacting the West and the East. You have like social media's uh, incentivization in the West is more focused towards things that aren't necessarily going to contribute to society. There was this whole uh, study about what people wanted to become in the future, like what the kids in the West wanted to become versus the kids in China. Uh, about 51%, like an overwhelming group wanted to be astronauts in China, whereas in the West it was vlogger, uh, I'm going to say it, musician, uh, influencer. Like this was primarily what their their goals were. And this does not require, I'm not saying it can't use your a, a good degree, but at the same time, it does not require that. I mean, it's what's the point of going to college anymore? Like, if you need to be a dancer, go study dance, go work on that, or go join a gym, be hot, and then become an influencer or something of that sort. Yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's the you know how they target it, you know, like I would say it's more I you know China targets uh, the Western audience uh, than its own population. It's it actually grooms its more its population to to you know perform better in mathematics and science. It's quite insidious, yeah. Yeah, so I would say it's itself, uh, you know, like China does it. Um, deliberately right but then there's also this whole thought about we won't spend time on this but there's a whole thought about brain drain like akin to refu uh, the refugee con conversation there's brain drain that people have been talking about how people have been leaving india particularly to the us yeah. or sri lanka like chamat pali hapatia i hope i pronounced his name right or like all four of them from the All In podcast, like they're all apparently refugees, right? That's what they said, if I remember correctly. I might be misquoting that. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so they're all from different countries or their parents are from different countries. They've come in to the North America, to the land of opportunities. That's that's the thing that's missing today. Like one thing that we haven't talked about when we should talk about is the fact that the West is not creating the sort of opportunities that it used to. Like if the opportunities primarily lie in uh, the realms of social media, you don't need to travel there anymore. Or yeah. you don't Actually, really need to do anything. You just need to have a good camera phone and record yourself. So, but but that's not true here in in countries which are building manufacturing, like Narendra Modi, our prime minister, who's uh, contributing to this whole make it India notion, right? That was the notion that he yeah. uh, marketed, he built up and marketed over the last decade. 
that has created jobs. That is moving jobs here, like Apple and their negotiation to come into India. That was apparently a three-year process, but now they're doing that. Foxconn's expanding here in India, in Andhra Pradesh as well, the state that we're in. Telangana. Um, what else? Lenovo. Like Tesla's. Yeah. Lenovo and Dell are planning to start manufacturing in India. Hmm. So that's another major push. So you have this shift where opportunities are primarily based here. Sure, mm. quality of life is fantastic in the West. There is no dispute in that. And that is a that is still a strong pull. The fact that the currency is valued more than it is here, like I, I believe a US dollar, like back when we were studying in the US, it was what, 45, 50 dollar rupees? 43, dollar. I believe, yeah. 43. And today it's double, practically double, yeah. 83 rupees to a dollar. So that also influences, uh, that also has a strong influence on where you want to be because a dollar is worth so much more. Or the fact that if you are, your primary storage has been, uh, value storage has been the dollar, it's doubled. Yeah. So growth is that much stronger. And and you'd want you'd want that sort of freedom. You'd want to be investing in an asset that grows as much as the dollar or the euro has. And today, I believe you're speculating with this conversation that that's no longer going to be the case. Eventually, we're moving away from that, and therefore, the stored value or this assumed value is not going to stay. But a potential spanner in the works that I was thinking of was, who are the money allocators today? Where are the money allocators primarily? They're not in the East. They're in the West. Yeah, they're all in the West. Uh, the financial sector. So even if they pull out, even if they pull out from the West and invest in the East, which is a hope, which is what we are seeing a potential trend in. There, what is their currency going to primarily be valued in? What are they going to transact in at the end of the day? They're going to transact in their home currency. So is the dollar or the euro going to completely collapse? Absolutely not. No, it will not collapse. But if you if you're looking at it, it's it's the the clash of the uh, you know the uh, financial based sector with the commodity based sector. So you have Russia, China. These these are countries which are predominantly commodity Middle East as well. Countries. They're Middle joining. East. They're joining yeah, the BRICS, so, right? And it's the it's the ultimate fight between these and you know U.S. and Europe, which are financial sectors. So now uh, they think whoever controls the finance are going to be the world leaders. But then Isn't that now true? It, it might not be short till now. But if Russia, China, and Middle East, and including India, if they actually come together and you know challenge this hegemony. There might be a uh, um, because who are what are they going to buy? The America and Europe do not produce anything. They are just consumers. So once this commodity uh, chain stops, it's going to be a total collapse. Their money is worth nothing. What you're getting at is they're not self-sustaining and therefore are not going to be exactly. able to. Right, look so at, they are going to be forced with to continue. All the, with all the sanctions, they couldn't actually do nothing to Russia. They, they, all these, um, you know, um, magazines and newspapers in America, they were like, "Oh, Russia is going to collapse in a month after the sanctions." Nothing like that happened. Russian ruble actually strengthened. 
So it's the ultimate battle is the commodities versus the financials. Right. So the one last thing that I'd like to bring up, because uh, it's been 40 minutes, um, the one last thing that I'd like to talk about is technology stagnation. I think the West is primarily exporting technology. They have been world leaders in technology. And that is not to say Japan isn't brilliant or India. I don't think India has had the sort of impact that the West has or as that Japan has or even China has had. I think technology capital allocation is what is going to prevent or is going to be that saving grace that prevents this collapse. There are factors that we were talking about, population decline, uh, the bubbles, the acid bubble bursts, potential bursts. Uh, there are going to be other factors. What else do we talk about? The general economic decline, right? Deflation mm -hmm. that's going to be impacting these countries, the high rates of inflation that are impacting certain countries. Deflation in Germany in the West, I believe. Um, high inflation, high costs of borrowing. These are things that are going to be painful for the West to endure. I don't believe it's going to cause an entire collapse. I believe that capital allocation there, the fact that the West leads the world in technology, the fact that they are global consumers and once they're able to consume again, once the cost of borrowing reduces, and I'm assuming since they like printing money, they are going to stimulate the economy some more at the first chance they can get. Uh, we are going to see we are going to see them start consuming more and their countries coming back into stability. That is not to say that the BRICS is not going to have an effect. There is going to be this potential. It's not going to be a closed loop, right? It's not India trading with China, trading with Russia and like this triangle. It is going to, we are primarily going to continue trading with the West because that's in everybody's best interest. The West is yeah. going to continue to allocate money here in the East because that is in their best interest. Because of this imperceptible growth that everybody's talking about. So this cycle is going to continue. Like we can talk about a potential collapse to the cows come home. But uh, I don't think that's, I don't see that happening. It doesn't have to be a complete collapse. You know, just uh, a shrinkage of 40 to 50% is major. Like, it's massive. Say, yeah, so you, you, we already have Japan's lost decade, you know, just with a 40% decline. So if, if uh, you know, American stock market shrinks, let's just say 30%, that's a major, major issue. But what so, I'm getting at is it's not going to because they have technology. They're world leaders in technology. And who formed the biggest uh, components of the NASDAQ and the S&P? Technology companies. It's not going yeah. to collapse. It's not going to shrink by 40%. Japan's problem, one of the compounding problems beyond the assets were acid bubble bursts and the population and such were uh, technology stagnation. That's not an issue. So, and money allocation, right? Like Japan was in the center of the world. The US is, or and Europe was. So I mean, if you look at technology stagnation, look at Apple. You know, Apple is, you know, there is, you know, like this, you know, they're, they're losing market share because they are just. I'll go stimulate that. September 12th. You know, so. Look, you're talking about you're talking about incremental innovation, and we can talk about innovation at some other point. Uh, I yeah. think they are adequately innovating. There is clear direction in terms of more than innovation. Direction is what 
governs how much money a company is going to make. And in terms of direction, look at where Apple was last year versus today. $180 today versus $111 or so uh, during the last last uh, iPhone release. They've grown tremendously. Microsoft as well. It was at $230, $240. back to $322, which was how much it was valued at the previous year. But mm, we're not going to talk about that. I, I think they're going to be just fine. Yeah, I think um, last thoughts. Closing thoughts, yeah. I, I think there's no there's there's this collapse is not going to happen. There are factors. It's going to suppress them. It's going to hurt them. There is going to be pain, but they're not going to collapse. Yeah, I disagree. I think I think the Western collapse is going to come. You know, so it's if if um, Russia, China, and the Middle East, along with India, are successful in creating a, a currency. It will collapse the Western society. It depends upon consumption. We won't start a fresh debate right now. I'm going to say it comes down to consumption because consumption spurs growth at the end of the day. So if you're consuming more from India, then great, good for India. But you are the ones who are consuming and you have you have money. It's a lame statement, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> You have well, yeah, I think um, I, I it's good we disagree on it. So you know, so sure. you say the collapse is not coming. I say the collapse is coming. So you know, buy more Bitcoin, gold. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah gold, gold's growing definitely. All definitely. right. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you for attending episode 18. Let us know what you think about this in the comment section below. Let us know if you think there's going to be an imminent collapse or if you agree with me and not Silish. All right. Let's yeah, I hope uh, everybody agrees with Ashish. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you very much and see you Thank in the you. next one. Goodbye.